Well, what's up? How's everyone doing tonight? Are we good? Are we good? Well, uh, hey, welcome. I'm not Josh. I'm the uh, worst-looking version. But um, my name is Clayton Baird. I'm the student ministries pastor at Free Chapel in Gainesville, Georgia. Anyone ever been to Gainesville? That's what I thought. Like No one's ever been there. Um, it's a thriving metropolis, so you're missing out if you've never been. But uh, I lead our students there at our church, and uh, man, I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. If you brought your Bible, go ahead and open it up uh, to the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to get there for sure in just a second. Um, I just want to publicly thank Josh, man, and all of the leaders here for giving me the opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you and uh, just be with you guys. I understand that you're in the middle of this series called The Ghost, talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, tonight what I want to speak to you on is the topic of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to focus in on. And right here in 1 Samuel chapter 18, we're going to read some scripture, then we're going to get into the rest of the message. In 1 Samuel 18, starting in verse 1, let me give you a bit of background. So what's happening right here is David has just defeated. Goliath okay and this is where we pick up in the story and it says this it says after David had finished talking with Saul Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself from that day on Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword his bow and his belt Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and tambourines. They danced around and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry because they accredited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get next but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it at David and said, I will surely pin David to the wall but David escaped. Tonight, if you're taking notes, which I encourage everyone, everywhere I go, always be taking notes. Hopefully you have some sort of writing utensil and some paper. Um, I believe this. I believe people who take notes are more likely to have a better spot in heaven. If you're like, yo, where is that at? It's somewhere between Revelation and the maps. So you can find it in there. And uh, that's where that is. But it's called tonight, the title of the message is A Story of Devotion. A story of devotion because I believe this. I believe before we can ever get to the point where we even think about having the Holy Spirit's power inside of our life, it takes a few things in order for our lives to accommodate that type of power. And, and devotion is one of those things that we want to look at tonight. And so many students, I think, we, we read things, we open up, you know, the, the Bible and the, and the book of Acts when it talks about the, the beginning church. And, the, you know, the reason you and I come to a place like this today is because of what people did in the book of Acts. So, you know, I, I would encourage you to read that tonight when you go home. And a lot of times we look at those stories and we say, man, that would be awesome to, to have that type of relationship with God and people receiving Jesus by the thousands and, and his power to be moving. Well, I think sometimes when we pray prayers like that, God, I pray that, that we would look like that church in the book of Acts. I think a lot of times God looks at us and he says, well, then why don't you act like they did in the book of Acts? Why don't you live like they did in the book of Acts? And that's where I want to get us to 
tonight, hopefully. Can we bow our heads and pray one more time before we get started? Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life to the driest places of our soul and our spirit, God. I pray tonight as we hear your word, we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word, God, that we would lock it, hide it deep down inside of our heart that we might not sin against you, but that will operate in all of your fullness, God, 100% Holy Spirit power inside of our Christian walk and faith with you, Jesus, in your name we pray and everyone said amen you know tonight I want to I want to let you know where I come from um, we like to we like to have like church we, we, we like students to help the preacher preach and so what that means is um, anyone ever been to like black church african-american church you know what I mean like I love it best place in the world to preach a message because the whole place is preaching with you you know what I mean it's like they will shout a brother down I love it and so that's what that's what it's, it's gonna be okay in here tonight to talk back at the preacher what does that mean it means if you hear something you like you can feel free to say amen hallelujah you can say that's that's good you can say preacher preacher you can say holla at your boy you can say that um you can say a few different things so why don't we just practice real quick pretend I just said something ridiculously amazing out of the word of God and you say all right all right that's good that's good <laughs> hello um true story true story then I'm gonna get started I was in a service one time and uh, the preacher was on stage. I wasn't the preacher. I was sitting out there. He was going for it, man. He was fired up. He was preaching the word. And he said something. And there was a sister in the back. And she stood up. And she went like this. She stood up. And she went, mm, shame the flesh. And I was like, what? And I was like, all right, all right, big mama. Let's go. Come on. Shame the flesh. So if it gets real crazy in here tonight, come on. You can say. Shame the flesh. But you can't just be like, oh, shame the flesh. You know what I mean? You got to get the face and everything about it. Mm, shame the flesh. Ready? So do it like that. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. You can, you can tweet that. That's for free. Tweet that tonight. But um, all right, let's get started. You know, a few years ago, when I think about devotion, when I think about devotion to God, a few years ago, right before my very eyes, I saw one of the greatest acts of devotion that I've ever seen in my, in my, in my personal life. Like, I'm 26 years old, but this probably takes the cake of, of devotion. I was on a missions trip. I was a junior in high school, and my youth pastor took some of our youth on a missions trip to Nicaragua. And, uh, and in my youth ministry at that time, we didn't really put an age limit on to how old you had to be to go on this trip. We probably should have because there's some parents, I don't know why in God's name, they would let their child go on this trip because it was, it was oh my gosh. And, and so I say all that to say there's some seniors on the trip and college people, but there's some like 14-year-olds too on this trip, you know, first time out of the country. And there was this boy, 14 years old, his name was Johnny. Everyone say Johnny. Johnny was on this trip with us, first time out of the country, going to Nicaragua. And so a lot of the older guys, they decided, you know, let's just, hey, dude, let's just mess with Johnny a little bit. Let's just mess with him a little bit. You know, let's just poke at him. And so they go up to Johnny. They say, bro, Johnny, you know you cannot drink the water when we get down there, bro. You know that. He's like, yeah, man, I heard that. Heard that. Johnny, you don't understand. If you drink the water, you will get sick and die. Johnny, you're going to die. And Johnny's like, oh, my God. You know, Johnny's freaking out. Johnny, not only can you not drink the water, Johnny, these the, the bugs are in the water, Johnny, parasites, they're going to try to get in your body however they can, through whatever hole they can get into, Johnny. They're going to try to get in your body. They're going to try to kill you. Johnny is freaking out. So we get down there. 
We're doing some work, you know, we're building houses and doing all of these things, and Johnny's so scared. Well, we come back after our first day of work. Everyone's about ready to take their first shower in a foreign country. I kid you not, I'm, I'm like rummaging through my bag. I see Johnny going to take a shower. Johnny has duct tape on his eyes, his nose, his ears. Like, who knows where Johnny has duct tape, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't asking questions. And so, John, and we're laughing, we're having a good time. Well, the second day comes, and uh, Johnny apparently gets a little sick. He doesn't go to our church service that night. I don't know if he drank the water or what happened, but uh, he gets sick, he doesn't go, and so we all go to the service, have a good time, we come back, we all go to bed that night, and uh, we're all sleeping. I was in the same room as my youth pastor, Pastor Jeff, and uh, it's about three o'clock in the morning, pitch black dark in a foreign country, and we get a knock on the door. And so, you know, we're like, oh, what the hell's going on? And so Pastor Jeff, he like gets up out of bed. He, he like walks over and he opens up the door. And standing in the doorway is Johnny, bawling his eyes out, wearing nothing but a long white t-shirt. And the bottom four inches are brown and wet. Okay, this is, this is not a good place to be. And so naturally, we all look, we're like, what the, oh my God. And so, and so the first thing Pastor Jeff says is, Johnny, bro, Johnny, what happened to you? What in the world happened? And he goes, Pastor Jeff, I, I, need, you, I need you to come look at something. Now, I'm not used to 14-year-old naked boys waking me up in the middle of the night. And so this piques my interest. And Pastor Jeff's like, bro, Johnny, what, come look at something. Bro, where are your pants? Like, dude, what is going on? I need you to come look. So all of us, dude, we hop up out of bed. We're like, what in the world is going on? Johnny, Shame the flesh. Come on. Preach it. Preach it. See if you can put those in order before you put them back up here. Thank you. So Johnny, <laughs> they're numbered. It's all good. Um, Johnny takes us down to the bathroom, okay? It's just getting better, folks. We get down to the bathroom. Johnny opens up the bathroom door, turns on the light, and before my very eyes is the most disgusting, vile, sick, nasty thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Johnny's sickness is on every wall, about two foot up on, on each wall. Uh, I mean, I'm talking vomit and rhea, okay? That's what I'm talking about right there, all right? And so we look at him, we're like, Johnny, bro, how did this happen? What on earth happened to you? And he goes, well, I was, I was feeling like I had to throw up. And so I came to the bathroom and I was, I was, I was throwing up. But then I realized that I had, to, like I had to go. And so I switched, but then I had to throw I'm like, Johnny, are you serious right now? This is disgusting. And he, and he looks and he's crying and it's late and he's tired and he looks at us and he goes, can, can, anybody, can anybody help me clean this up? Now listen, I'm a youth pastor. I'm all about helping the next generation, but you got to draw the line somewhere, you know what I mean? And I, I remember a lot of us older guys were like sneaking into the, into the back like I ain't touching this mess. I'll never forget in that moment, one of Johnny's friends, another 14-year-old boy, makes his way through the crowd, walks into the middle of the room and he says, Johnny, man, I'll, I'll help you clean it up. The girls always do that. They're always like, oh, like maybe this should be a movie. That, it would be sick, though. It would. And he steps in the middle of the room. He says, Johnny, I'll help you clean it up. And in my entire life, I don't know that I've ever seen more of a true act of love and devotion. For, I mean, it was amazing. 
that, a, that a, a friend would step up and help another friend. And even, even more than that, he told Johnny, you know what, just go, go back to bed. I'll clean it up. And in the morning, you, you weren't even able to tell that there was sickness that was ever in there. Man, he did an amazing job cleaning this up. And when I look at that story, I think, man, that is an incredible act of devotion. That's true friendship. I've never seen a better act and a better example of devotion in my entire life. Why do I tell us that story? Is because you need to know tonight that at some point in your life, you were sitting in a filthy, stinking mess. You were sitting in a mess. You were sitting in a mess of sin. You were sitting in a mess of mistakes and failures and stupid decisions that you keep making weekend and weekend and weekend over and over and over. And you were sitting in that mess. And if you think about it and get real with yourself, nobody was coming to help you out. Nobody was coming to give you a hand with that junk. Maybe you weren't even telling anybody about that secret sin, that secret thing that you have in your life. Maybe you didn't even share it with anyone, but nobody was coming to your aid. Nobody was coming to help you until one day somebody stepped on the scene and his name was Jesus Christ. And when Jesus stepped onto the scene, not only did he take a look at your nasty bathroom of a life, not only did he see it and recognize how disgusting it was, not only did he say, I'm going to help you clean that up, he does one better. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a brand new life. It's going to look like this thing never even existed in the first place. You won't even be able to tell that your life was a mess. You won't even be able to tell that it was a wreck, that it was shameful, that it was so sinful, because when I come in to clean this thing, it's going to be perfect. You see, that's the devotion that God has for you. That's the devotion that he has for us. The question is never, is God devoted to me? A lot of times young people walk around, they ask themselves, does, does Jesus really love me? Is God really devoted to me? Heck yes, Jesus loves you. He's devoted to you. The question is not, is God devoted to me? The question is, are we devoted to God? The Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, 8. How do we know God loves us? It says this, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. What does that mean? It means while you were still jacked up, while you were still messed up, while you were still sleeping around, while you were still doing drugs, while you were still selling drugs, while you were still cheating, lying, while you were still telling your parents you were going one place, but yet you were going another place, while you were still doing all of those things, Christ still got up on a cross and he still died for you. In the midst of all of that mess, in the midst of all of that disgusting, filthy, bathroom kind of mess, Christ still was devoted to you. See, that's the love, that's the devotion from our God. And a lot of times in life, we try to clean up that mess on our own. Maybe you've even tried it. You've tried to clean it. You've tried to do whatever you can to sweep it under the rug, let's say. You've tried to mask it. You've tried to hide it, but it's not really working for you, is it? And you're getting tired, and it's getting difficult, and it's getting burdensome on top of you. Why is that? It's because you were never meant to handle it on your own. You can't clean up your life tonight. And my hope is, when I get done finished preaching tonight, is that some of you, instead of trying to trust yourself to clean up that mess tonight you'll put your trust in Jesus and allow him to clean that entire thing up because he's the only one that could do it anyway he's the only one that can do it anyway you see God absolutely loves us and I want to talk about that tonight I want to talk about devotion true fellowship true friendship true community because when we enter into unity and true community and all of those things man that's when the Holy Spirit's power shows up in our life that's the only way it's ever going to happen and I love the passage of scripture we read in 1 Samuel. It's a story of David and Jonathan. If you don't know what's happening in this story, 
Jonathan is the king's son, okay? He's the next in line to get the throne. And so all of a sudden, David comes on the scene. He's killing giants. He's winning the favor of all of the people. Everyone loves David. He's the big man on campus. If anybody should be ticked off at David, it should be Jonathan. It's like, bro, I'm the next in line. Why does everybody love you? They should love me. I'm the next king. But that's not what the Bible tells us is going on right now. The Bible tells us that Jonathan loves David so much that he enters into a covenant of friendship with David. They become closest of friends. Why did he do that? I believe this. I I believe when Jonathan saw David, he saw genuine. He saw genuine. He saw loyal. He saw true. I want to ask you the question tonight, high school student. How many people in your school, in your community, are lining up to be your friends simply because they see genuine on your life? simply because they see true on your life. Not because you got the hookup, not because you got a lot of money, not because your parents aren't home and when you go to your house you can do whatever you want, not because of any of that kind of stuff, but simply because when they see your life they see someone that's going to be a genuine, true, loyal friend that will enter into true unity with me, that's not going to stab me in the back, that's not going to gossip about me and slander my name all around town. How many people want to be your friend just because of that? And if not a lot, then maybe we need to take another look at our character and see what's going on. Let's go a little further inside of this passage of 1 Samuel. The Bible says that Saul kept a jealous eye on David. David's getting all the glory around town. Everybody's in love with him. King Saul's getting a little bit frustrated. The Bible tells us one day Saul's in his house. He picks up a spear and he throws it trying to kill David, trying to pin him to the wall. And you thought you had family drama. You thought your house was a mess. You thought your parents were absolutely out of their mind crazy. I mean, look what's happening right here. David can't even wake up and eat his Wheaties without trying to get killed. I mean, Saul's trying to kill him in his own house. What's interesting about this entire thing, the reason Saul is so upset is because the Bible says that a few women from a few towns, a few towns came out in the streets and they started singing some songs about David and Saul. The Bible doesn't say that the whole city felt this way. It just said that a couple people from a couple different places started running their mouth. And isn't that so true for us today? All it takes is a couple people saying a little bit of something to absolutely ruin unity and community and friendship. All it takes is a couple people saying something. You know that to be true. You've walked that before, I'm sure. Just a couple people saying a little bit. You need to understand tonight that the enemy, the devil, he's real. Okay, he's out there. He wants to ruin your relationships. He wants to ruin community and ruin unity. Why does he want to do that? It's because without it, you'll never receive the Holy Ghost power. Without it, you'll never have that power in your life if we can't be unified. And when I look around the church today and when I look around youth ministries, man, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful for your youth pastor, Josh. Man, I'm so thankful that I have a friendship and a relationship with him and that we can call each other on the phone and just talk about things and, and how to reach students in the greater Atlanta area. I'm thankful for stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is I look around America a lot of the times and I just see ministries competing at one another. And I just, see, I just see people talking bad about somebody and they get up on stage and they preach a message and then they get off stage and they talk junk about the, the person down the street trying to reach people for Jesus. That's not unity at all. That's not unity at all. How in the world could we ever expect the Holy Spirit to bring power in this place if we're so disunified, if we're so messed up? That's not the way God intended it to be at all. The devil wants to ruin it because he knows we'll never get power inside of our life. And here's where I want to get us to tonight. Acts chapter 2 Verse 42 through 47. Is this message speaking to anybody tonight? Is it good? 
Here's how, we, here's how we get the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost power inside of our life. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Here's what's happening. A little bit of background right here before I read it. Jesus has now ascended into heaven, okay? He's gone. He's back up to be with the Father, okay? The Bible tells us that 120 people gathered together in an upper room. They were praying for days and days and days. Finally, the Holy Spirit falls on them, does an amazing work, fills them up. They go out into the streets. They start preaching Jesus. The Bible even tells us about Peter. Everyone know who Peter is due to walked on water. All right. The Bible even tells us one time Peter goes out in the street, preaches for two minutes. How do you know he preached for two minutes? Because I've read it before and that's as long as it takes is two minutes to read what he preaches. He preaches for two minutes and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people get saved. That's amazing. Why is that so amazing? It's because he was filled with Holy Spirit power. That's what happens. And without the Holy Spirit power, man, you could stand up in your school and you could try to preach Jesus all day. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But when the Holy Spirit has reign in your life and when he's active and when he's moving and when he's doing things, it makes witnessing a whole lot easier because God's the one doing the work. It's not me having to be clever and kind of present it in the right way. The Holy Spirit's doing the work for me. So let's read right here, Acts chapter 2, 42. It says, they devoted, everyone say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled, say filled, with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, say together, together, and they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, these men and women that the Bible is talking about right here in Acts chapter 2, it was 120 people that started this thing, 120 people in the room praying. You want to know who was there that day? Well, I'll just tell you who wasn't there that day, and that might be easier. You know who was not in that room praying? It was not 120 people praying in that room that were apathetic Christians. What does that mean? It means just kind of like, ah, I, don't, I, just, I just don't really care. I mean, I may or may not go to church this weekend. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, hey, I'm, if the Holy Spirit comes, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. No, that's, that's not the time. That, those people weren't in that room that day, 120 apathetic Christians. It wasn't 120 gossipers that were in the room that day. It wasn't 120 people that were praying together and then they took a lunch break and they just talked crap about each other. Now, on the, that, that, that wasn't the people that were in there praying. It wasn't 120 people that were slandering one another. It wasn't 120 backstabbing friends. It was 120 people that said, I want more of Jesus Christ, whatever the cost, period. That's all that was in their heart. I just want more of Jesus. That's all I one. And I want to give us four things tonight when I read this passage. Four things that I grab out of this. Four marks of a living church, if that's what you want to call it. And I believe when we have these and they're activated inside of our life with Holy Spirit power, man, God's going to be able to do amazing things inside of our life. He's going to do amazing things inside of the point. He's going to continue to do amazing things in 12 Stone Church and all locations, man. That's what it's all about. And I believe we can find some really great keys right here. Number one, it all comes out of Acts chapter 2. Number one, they were devoted. They were devoted. If we want biblical results inside of our ministry, if I want to open up this book and say, man, there's a lot of great stories in here about how God moved. Well, if I want that kind of stuff to happen in my life, i got to do what this book says. 
I got to do what the Bible says. And it says that they were devoted. It said that they were devoted to the teachings, to communion, to prayer, to all of these different things. Devotion equals dedication. It means you're dedicated to the things of God. And I want to encourage you, if all you hear is one thing tonight from this white boy wearing a purple cardigan, you know, from Gainesville, Georgia. No one even goes up there. If you only hear one thing tonight, hear this. You have to be devoted. You have to be devoted. Devoted to what, Pastor Clay? Number one, you need to be devoted to reading God's word. You need to be devoted to it. You know, anyone ever heard the story of Jesus when he was out in the wilderness and the devil comes and shows up and like tempts him? Like, raise your hand. It's all right to raise your hand. Anyone ever heard that? All right, great. You want to know this? You ever noticed this before? When Jesus was out there and the devil came and started tempting him, Jesus did not defeat the devil with prayer. It wasn't prayer that did it. Jesus didn't even defeat the devil with really good worship, like really good Hillsong tunes. You know, that, that's not what defeated the devil. The only thing that defeated the devil that day was the written word of God. This was the only thing. This is your weapon against all the jacked up chaos that's going on in your world. This is the only thing that's ever going to save you. This is the only thing that you're ever going to be able to stand on, and it's not going to give way. The Bible says that when all of the earth fades away, it all burns up, your car, your clothes, all the things that you love, your guitar, these amazing drums, all that, when it all burns up and goes away, this is the only thing that's going to remain. So I hope we're being devoted to this. The second thing, you need to be devoted to a prayer life. Be devoted to praying. Make it a lifestyle. I tell our students all the time, if you're not praying, you're playing. Be devoted to prayer. You don't have to pray every minute of every day, but it needs to be a lifestyle, absolutely. Be devoted to it. Be devoted to being in church. A lot of times when you, uh, when you go through hard times in life, students will come to me and they'll say, Pastor Clay, can you counsel me? And, you know, can you help me? I'm really going through a hard time, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times the first thing I say is, bro, I haven't seen you in like six months. Where have you been? Well, I just had some things going on. You know, I just got on the baseball team and we're going. Dude, what in the world? Like you haven't been in church in forever, man. Of course your life's jacked up. You need to be devoted to being in church. Be devoted to the point on Sunday nights. You need to be here. It shouldn't even be an option in your life. It should be something that you're devoted to. Be devoted to godly friendships. If you're sitting in this place tonight because someone invited you and brought you to church, I want you to turn to that person and say hello to your new best friend, okay? Because if someone actually brought you to church, man, that means they actually care about your life, not just here, but for forever. That's your new best friend right there. Be devoted to that person. Number two, it says they were filled. They were devoted, and then they were filled. You see, when we get devoted to God, what happens is he sends his spirit to our life. He starts to fill us up. Because the more we understand about the word, the more we're praying, the more we're worshiping, the more we're being in an atmosphere of faith like church, it's just more opportunity for the Holy Spirit to fill us up and give us power. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit power and anointing are around, that's when miracles, signs, and wonders start to take place. A lot of times you can look at your life and you can say, man, I've never really, I don't really see a whole lot of miracles and signs and wonders and I don't really see anything like that going on. And Well, then maybe it's because, maybe it's because you're not super filled up yet. Maybe you're not really filled up yet. In which case, I would take you back to number one and say, are you really devoted? Because if you're really hardcore devoted for the things of God, man, his spirit's going to be inside of you. It's going to be alive and well, the Bible says. And it's going to be a place where miracles and signs and wonders and all of those amazing things can can come to pass inside of our life. What's the purpose, Pastor Clay, of the Holy Spirit inside of our life? And just, I don't know what time I'm supposed to be done, so someone just throw your hands at me. Um, 
What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit inside of our life? Well, the Bible says that, that going back to Jesus, okay, he was, actually, he was the first one, okay? The purpose, why did Jesus come to earth? The Bible says to seek and save the lost. And then Jesus looks at us, he looks at his disciples, and he says, listen, there's going to be a counselor that's going to come. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to clothe you with power from on high. He's going to fill you up, okay? He's going to give you all of this power so that you can be my witnesses in all of Judea and even to the ends of the earth. You see, the purpose of Jesus was to be a witness in the earth, to draw men unto himself. The, the plot didn't change when the Holy Spirit took over. Now the Holy Spirit is filling you up to lead people back to Jesus. The purpose has always been witnessing. The purpose has always been witnessing. Why do we need Holy Spirit power? Witnessing. And when he fills you up, number two, it's going to help you be a better witness in your school, a better witness to your family. Maybe you're tired of coming to church and your dad's still at home and he's still an alcoholic and he still hits your mom and you're still in that, in that situation where they're talking about divorce. Maybe your mom's on drugs. Maybe she doesn't care anything about church. Maybe you don't even know where your dad is. Maybe you got an older brother or sister running away from the Lord, but you're the only one in church right now. I'm here to tell you the only hope you have for that situation is Holy Spirit power and it comes by being devoted to the things of God. Number three. Everyone say number three. They were together. They were together, the Bible tells us. When you get devoted, that's when you begin to be filled with the Spirit of God. And then the Bible says that they were together. All the believers were together. You see, when the Spirit is alive and well inside of you, when you got God on the inside of you and you're really living for Him, you're going to want to be together with other believers. It's, it, you're, it's not going to be like someone's dragging you to church. Oh, my God, Mom, i got to go to church again. It's not going to be like that. You're going to want to be with other believers because it's encouraging. It's inspiring, man. It's great to be around other people that love Jesus. And I just I love these friends that are with me here tonight and, and my, my good friend Zach and Angela over here. I love these people because when I get around them, it's inspiring. I love talking to your youth pastor, Josh, on the phone. Why? Because it's inspiring to be around other believers. And you need to be around other believers. And if the Spirit is really working inside of you, you're going to want to be together. It shouldn't have to be a twisting of your arm to make you go to church, to make you get inside of small groups. If, if you can stand in here tonight and you raise your hand and you say, yes, Pastor Clay, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit, man. God lives inside of me. He has complete control of my life. But you're still not in a small group, then put your hand down. Because if you were really full of the Spirit, you'd want to be together with other believers. So get in that small group. Get in that community where you can share and be inspired with other people. That's the way God intended it to be. Togetherness with other believers is just as important as us being devoted to God. And I love, I know, I know that's, an, I know that's a, a, an extreme core value of this church. I hear it all over the city, man, how 12 Stone does an amazing job of just building community and, and building a place where believers can come together and just fellowship and have a good time. And I, I praise God for that because it's extremely important in the body of Christ. As the band comes up, the last thing, number four, Number four, they were added to. When we get devoted, that's when we get filled with the Spirit. It's going to cause us to want to be together with other believers. And then the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were added to. They were added to. You know, the Bible doesn't put things in, in the wrong order. It's not a mistake where it chooses to put certain things. And in verse 27, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He added to their number daily. You know, I love this. I love that. I love that verse as a youth pastor. Why? Why do you love that? It's, it reassures me that it's not my job to build the church. 
A lot of times when, when we take that responsibility on ourselves, and I got, I got to build this thing, I got to invite everyone, I got, I got to do all of this on my, no, it's not my job to build the church, it's God's job to build the church. It's my job to be devoted. It's my job, it's your job to be devoted. And what happens is when we do all of these things, when we devote ourselves to the things of God, when he fills us up with his spirit, when we're together, what's going to happen? The point, what's going to happen is he's going to look down from heaven. He's going to look on this place at 6 p.m. on a Sunday night, and he's going to see such a healthy group of high school students that what he's going to begin to do is he's going to begin to add to this place. He's going to begin to bring people into this place. It's going to be seemingly easy. It's going to be so easy. People are just going to start to come in. You're going to say, how in the world did you find out about this Sunday night gathering? And, and it, sometimes it's not even going to make sense. I don't know. I just came. I just, I just found. It's, it's because God's the one doing the work. He's the one adding to this place. And he wants to do it. He wants to fill this place up, not only here, but at Hamilton Mill Campus and all the other places where your high school ministry meets. He wants to fill it up. He wants to add to it. He wants to do all of those things. And what we need to do tonight is if we look at our lives, I want everyone to close your eyes for just a second. I want you to look at your life. I want you to think about where you're at with God. I want you to think about where you're at with Jesus right now. Are you running from him? Are you trying to sweep that mess under the rug? Maybe your life looks like Johnny's bathroom. Maybe it's just dis sick, disgusting. Where are you at in life right now? Because here's what needs to happen. is Some of us in here tonight, we need to come to a place of repentance where we come before the Lord and we say, God, forgive me for contributing to the disunity in this place. Forgive me for speaking ill against people that might even be sitting in this room right now. Forgive me for gossiping. Forgive me for slandering. Forgive me for not making this place a, a great community of believers. God, forgive me. I repent from that. Why do we need to repent from that? It's because Holy Spirit power can't come until we're unified. We must be unified. And tonight, we need to take advantage of that opportunity. Why don't you open your eyes one last second. You know, a while ago in our youth ministry up in Gainesville, we had a night where some people were coming, a lot of our students, and they were sharing testimonies. And a few people took the mic, and they were saying really great things, man. It was really encouraging. They were saying how they came to know the Lord and, and why they were at, at our youth ministry. It's called the Nine, our high school youth ministry, and, and all these different things. And it was really great. But there was this one girl who took the stage. She was in the ninth grade, and her name was Morgan. And Morgan took the stage, and she's new to Gainesville. She hasn't been there that long. In fact, this is actually her first year at Gainesville High School. And she gets on stage, and, and she's about to just share about what God's doing in her life, and she's kind of really nervous. She's, like, not standing anywhere towards the front. She's, like, almost way towards the back, and she's so scared. And she starts to share about what God's doing, and, and she's brand new. Her family's going through a really rough time, moved from out of state, all of these different, different things. And I'll never forget, as long as I live, one of the things that she said that night. She looked at our students, a few hundred students in the crowd, and she looked out there and she said, ever since I came to this youth ministry, I've never had more friends in my entire life. And you know, out of all the things that were said that night, all the different testimonies, I was sitting on the front row, and I just began to cry. I just sat there, and tears were flowing down my face, because as, as a youth pastor, I was looking at that girl ninth grade, doesn't know a lot of people yet, doesn't, difficult situation, and what came out of her mouth was when I came into this place, I got more friends than I've ever had in my entire life. As a youth pastor, I'll take that every single time. As a youth pastor, I'll take that testimony to the bank for the rest of my life. 
Because if our youth ministries could simply just be a place where when people come in here, they feel unity, they feel community, they feel other believers, it's a welcoming atmosphere. It's not cliques, it's not different groups, but it's just people that just say, I love God, I love life, and I'm ready to love you. If that can be the cry of our youth ministries, then the Holy Spirit's power, he's going to put his hand on this thing. He's going to anoint this thing like never before. We're going to see salvations happening by the thousands, just like they did in the book of Acts. That's the kind of power that's available inside of the Holy Spirit. We just got to get unified. And so tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Clay, I haven't been devoted. I haven't been the devoted Christian I need to be. But tonight, I want to make a fresh commitment. I want to give everything over to Jesus Christ. I want to be devoted to prayer, to reading the Word. I want to be devoted to community and, and, and being in unity with people. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're in here tonight and you don't even know if you're filled with the Spirit. But tonight, you want to invite Jesus to come inside of your life so that you can be a partaker with that anointing. That you can actually feel the Spirit of God alive and well inside of you. Maybe you've been here. Maybe you're a Christian. But you're not together with anybody. Maybe you've contributed to the gossip. Maybe you've done all of those different things. I don't know what your, what your case is tonight. But if that's you and you would say, Pastor Clay, please pray for me. What I want you to do on the count of three is I just want you to lift your hand. I want you to lift it high and unashamed. Nobody's looking around. Tonight's your night. The Holy Spirit's here in this place, and he wants to do a work inside of your life, but you got to recognize him. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Put your hand in the air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Right now, stand to your feet if your hand's in the air. No one's looking around. Just stand to your feet. Don't even be ashamed about it. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you as you're standing right there. If you've got a friend looking, just open your eyes right now. If you've got a friend beside you, why don't you just put your hand on that friend, man? Why don't you just lay your hand on them? And let's just pray together. Because I want to pray for you. And I believe when I pray, it has nothing to do with the words that are coming out of my mouth. It has everything with you believing in your heart confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Maybe tonight you're standing because you need to repent from some things in your life. Whatever the case may be, it comes from your lips and your mouth and your heart, but I want to lead you in it tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single student standing to their feet. I pray that you would fill them up with your anointing, God. I pray that your hand, that your goodness would be on their life, God. That they would experience you in a whole new way. That they would feel you in this place, God. I pray where there's been gossip and slander, Lord, forgive us. We repent from that sin and all the failures, God. That every time we've opened up our mouth and we've spoke ill against people, God, forgive us for that, Lord. Bring us into community, God. Link these students together. Let them be stronger, more unified than ever before, Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill us up, that we would truly know your anointing in a new and a fresh way. God, we love you, and we thank you for your spirit in this room tonight. We give Jesus all of the glory. We give Jesus all of the praise. He is the lover of my soul. He's the king of my life and everything in it. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Why don't we just begin to lift our hands as the band continues to lead us in worship tonight?